I just I just started this because I want to as soon as you said the words I have a confession I needed yeah. to make sure that we started the recording with that. Well, I figured that that was the case. Uh I have not left my bed today. I mean, I left You're my just bed enjoying it. Yeah. I've just been like liking every BYU related anything I could find on any social media outlet that's out there. Um I I really truly I slept right through church. I think I stayed awake until like three or four last night, just enjoying the moment. And uh, I watched the replay on BYU TV and then yeah. I went to bed. Well, I mean, and did you go right to sleep? I don't think you went right to sleep. How could you? No, no I, yeah. no, I had, it was just too much. It was over a decade of feelings that were all yeah. coming out at once. Well, I was on my mission in 2009, so it's been almost 15 years since I got to partake in a win such as this. And uh, it was great. And so, yeah, I slept right through church. I stayed in my bed all day long. I watched Zach Wilson. Uh, that game was kind of a bummer. But that's that's been my day. I have just been basking in this wonderful new world of BYU being in the driver's seat in the state of Utah. And boy, what a feeling. What a feeling. Uh, so if you were not here last week, um, let me turn on the request. Okay. So the requests are on. So everybody, you can raise your hand. Um, and kind of the way this show will work is Jeff and I will talk, kind of share our feelings and then we'll kind of get a queue lined up. And, um, our, those of you who are subscribers, you can get on the air and share your feelings on the game as well. So my biggest takeaway from that game was... Well, out a few. One, Jaron Hall is a dude. And I talked to, I told my wife, today, I was like, I think I want to shave the beard. I want to go down to a mustache and start wearing a gold chain like Jaron Hall. And she said, I have said a gold that, chain. I did the same thing. And she said that I would not look like Jaron Hall with a gold chain. I would, she said, I'm the type of person that if I was wearing a gold chain and had a mustache, I'd need to be wearing a half unbuttoned, uh, Hawaiian shirt uh-huh. and be dealing cocaine in Miami. Well, while that and, might be true, listen, I wore a Zach Wilson jersey to watch the, the Jets game today, and I certainly don't look like Zach Wilson when I'm in a jersey. It's not about what you look like. It is about who you feel like on the inside. And if yes. you're wearing a gold chain, and I think you would have to, because you could grow a thick thick mustache you would have to trim it down to like just above the lip and if you did that and you felt like jaron hall on the inside that's all that matters who cares what it looks like on the outside this is true i'll I'll have to reconsider this and it's not like a you know you can get a fake gold chain on amazon for like seven bucks right yeah i mean yeah so do that but that the play i mean he's just very efficient right like it's he hasn't turned the ball over at all through two games he i feel like last night was obviously passing, would have liked a little, you know, better performance. Um, and I think part of that is just because, I mean, it's still Utah, right? Like Utah, their defensive line was not great, but it's like they still have a good secondary and they're still good on the back end, right? And so it's not, and there were a couple long balls that we had open that just didn't quite hit on and those will come. But I felt like that eight, I think he finished the night with eight carries for 92 yards. And I feel like that's the perfect number for him. Like that eight to 12 is kind of the magic range where, 
He's a big enough of a threat that he's going to keep everyone honest, especially get him moving out of the pocket. And he's athletic enough to throw while on the run. And so that's really hard to defend. But he's not a, you know, it's not Taysom versus Texas in 2013 where he's has as many rushing attempts as passing attempts, right? Like it is, he is a mobile quarterback. He's not a running quarterback. And so I, I feel like that game plan for him last night was near perfection in terms of utilizing his ability. Just some of those passes, you know, like need to start hitting on a couple of bigger things. And we haven't, you know, it, and that'll come with time. What I was really impressed with was his discipline throughout, especially the first half. There were multiple times and I was calling for it, man. I, I wanted to see him use his legs even more than he did. But his discipline of staying in the pocket, looking downfield, and, and, and A-Rod's discipline, and not just calling run plays, that is what set up the second half where Hall could have what was so successful using his legs. And that's not easy to do. And when you watch him back in 2019 against Utah State and USF, he was real quick. It was one. If you got two reads out of Hall in those two games, it was it was a win, right? Like he was a one read, tuck it and run kind of guy during those two games, and he was really really good at it. He has evolved even since the first quarter of the Arizona game. He is trying to stay in the pocket, go through his reads, and find a guy. The throws are going to come. He's got all the arm talent, the arm strength, the accuracy. The throws are going to come. I have no doubt that by game four, game five, we're, we're talking about a guy who could throw for 300 yards a game. He, he's got that talent. But right now, he is you, you could tell it's almost like he is thinking a little bit too hard. Of, no, I've got to go through my read, go through my read. And he's just a half step slow on, on all of those passes. Just a half. He missed a couple of guys. Isaac Rex comes to mind. He, he missed Isaac Rex. I think he missed Puka in the first half. Uh, just a couple that come off the top of my head that if he was just a half second faster... This is a blowout, and, and that will come. I mean, it's his second start in two years. I, I, that, there's no cause for concern, but the really, really fun and encouraging thing about that is that even though he was a half-step slow, and even though there was a ton of green in front of him that he could have used his legs, he stayed within the game plan and is trying to do what he knows he needs to do to not only, not only be successful in this game, but to set himself up and learn to be successful against Virginia and Baylor and USC down the road. And for that reason, man, I'm so pumped up about the potential of Jared Hall throughout the rest of the year. I would have loved for him to use his legs against Utah because, guys, this, this wasn't even a close game. 26-17, and it probably should have been 40-17. Uh, BYU was the better team all night long, and I would have loved the score to show that. I would have loved to, to see a blowout. But I think the long-term benefits of what Jaron Hall is doing on a weekly basis and his discipline in being a quarterback, not just a runner, is going to pay huge dividend, yeah, dividends. Yeah, like that. Down the when road. you're saying his patience, I thought that um, the throw to Keanu Hill, it was like seven or eight seconds, right? That he was going through, rolling out, got flushed out of the pocket. He had clear grass in front of him, saw Hill downfield, and let it rip. Right. Like, and that's something where in 2019, a little less confidence, he probably would have, you know, he probably would have just taken off running. And, you know, we may still have gone on that drive and scored and, you know, just got the first down and whatever. But it was, you know, that was the, um, you know, that was 
that was where it kind of where that was the play for me. And then also to that last his last touchdown throw to Gunnar Romney, right? Where he rolled out. He was, you know, Romney was probably like the third or fourth thing because I'm trying to remember on that play they had the receipt. It was kind of a flood concept, and so whoever the receiver was, the outside, and then Algier kind of kind of went out into the flat and then Isaac Rex was kind of sitting there too. And they kind of, Utah just kind of blanketed them. And then Gunnar Romney was just back across the end zone and Hall just saw him and ripped the ball to him. And that was, you know, it was, there were those couple plays and then that big, the touchdown run that got called back because he stepped out of bounds. You know, that was, you could just see like this kid is a star in the making and he has all the tools. And I think he's going to put it together. Um, I think just another, go thing, ahead and go ahead and pat yourself on the back for a minute. I, I already have, so now it's your turn. We have been telling people all summer long, look, Jaron Hall is not going to be the pro prospect. He's not going to have the stats of Zach Wilson, but Jaron Hall is going to be able to move this offense with the same kind of ability that Zach Wilson had. If Jaron Hall is playing not Utah, if he is playing Louisiana Tech, uh, BYU scores 50 last night. It, he does it very, very differently than what Zach did, right? Very, very differently. But... This is the kind of performance, and we're seeing the talent, that, that the offense as a whole isn't going to slow down. This is a good offense for Hall, and he is a really good football player. So pat yourself on the back, Garrett. You deserve it. We've been trying to tell people. We, we were mocked by Utah fans uh, all summer long for saying that, uh, yeah, Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, it's going to be okay. It's going to be seamless. We're not that concerned. They mocked us, and now... They go home with this wonderful taste of taste of loss in their mouth, and I've had to really, really, really uh, make a big effort to not just get super petty on social media. I try not to be that guy, but we haven't won in so long. I want to be that guy today because they were so obnoxious all summer long when we tried to say that Jaron Hall was going to still be good. Well, I thought we won the game, but really we should have blown them out right like it's when we us being a p4 program going up against these g6 schools <laughs> there's like it i mean you see it's just sad like i mean i don't know if you saw the u.s i tweeted a picture of this last night or earlier today it's like the usc game right like it's completely empty it's sad that these g6 programs have floundering coaches they no one attends their games they oftentimes, like USC, they have to attend playing an NFL stadium, or it was formerly an NFL stadium, off campus, right? And no one goes to their games. It's just really sad, and it's you know, it, it's just it's going to always be tough for these G six programs to try to hang with P four schools. Can I just say one more thing before we get into nuts and bolts? For no reason whatsoever, I'm so glad that Devin Kafusi lost. I have no idea why I'm so pumped up about this. The Kafusi brothers, none of them ever won a rivalry game. <laughs> I just, I, and I have no idea why, because for, for, you know, by all reports, Devin was fine. His, his teammates loved him. Maybe it's the comments about like, oh, how Utah's culture is better, blah, 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 as if he's talking about, he left in what, like the, before the 2019 season or something like that? Uh, it's before last season. Before last season. So he left. Yeah. It, it, it kind of a weird time. There was some quarterback you know, controversy or whatever at the time. He left a very different football program than what BYU is now, and he talks to the Utah media as if he is there in the locker room today. I don't know. Maybe that just rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe I'm just super petty, but I'm so glad 
the Devon Fusi Lot. Recruiting. He bailed, jumped ship, went to the rival, and then started talking about all the things that BYU did not do well. I'm just, I'm super happy that he lost. I mean, I can get behind that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is just the defense. And we kind of hit on this the last few weeks on the show of just like the having a secondary that can play well and can cover people really frees you up to bring a lot more pressure. And we heard, uh, you know, you and I, like in our conversations that we had with some of the staff all season, you know, all throughout the off season, even though there were no big names, everyone was telling us, oh, the D line's going to be good. And they showed up last night. And I know Utah's offensive line is not what they have been, but that was still probably the best performance we've seen in a very long time from the defensive line. There were times when Charlie Brewer was getting flushed out of the pocket with a three-man rush. And if you can do that, and we've kind of talked about this, right? Right? Like it's if you are bringing pressure and you don't get home, then that's worse because you are leaving a hole in the defense. But the flip side of that is if you can collapse the pocket and get the quarterback moving with only three guys, then you never need to bring more than three guys. And then your defense is just a blanket. And that's what happened. Like last night, there there was the couple big plays to the tight ends, which was going to happen because Utah does, I mean, the trio of, Kincaid, Keithy, and Fotheringham. My, that's you know that's a as good of a three-headed monster at tight end as you're going to have any school in the country. Uh, but their receivers last night, they fit, only finished with five catches for 46 yards. Like I was last night, possibly was that the best performance by a BYU secondary since like at least 1996 when you had Tim McTyre and Omar Morgan locking things down. I mean, it has to be, and especially relative to. Uh, the talent, and we talked about this. I wrote an article earlier today. Solomon Ennis was a—he's a, a four-star guy. He had offers from you know big-time schools, Penn State, Georgia. Uh, Theo Howard was an even higher-rated four-star guy that it was you know everybody offered him. Um, Britton Covey, Jalen Dixon—they have over like, close to three thousand yards between them throughout their careers. That's a good Utah receiver core. Like this isn't just some scrub matchup. The, the, these. Those four receivers for Utah are are very, very good, and they're going to do some good things this year. And BYU secondary, and particularly D'Angelo Mandel and Isaiah Heron, locked them down the whole game. Uh, it was an incredible performance by them. I was a little bit surprised that Utah didn't try to adjust at all. They just, Andy Ludwig kept doing the same thing. Like Their, their coaches didn't do them any favors last night. But... Yeah, I mean, all the credit in the world goes to that that BYU secondary. Heron and Mandel, they were they were fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking um, the guys that played. Um, yeah, it was Heron. Heron, especially, I think that's probably the best game of his um, of his career, and he was nails in coverage. But yeah, uh, checking on PFF, uh, D'Angelo Mandel was a 73.6 in coverage, which the PFF only grades coverage on the primary defender on a pass play. And so you don't, so it is kind of the coverage thing is kind of tricky, right? Because it's, if you completely blanketed the guy and then you were off the screen or they didn't even look your way, then they don't count. Like they don't, 
grade you as having a good job in coverage because they don't know like who was the first read, who was the second read, right? And so it's like, did the quarterback look off of who you're covering because you did your job or did he never even make it to look at you, right? And so they only grade the primary receiver or the yeah, who the guy who's covering the primary receiver. And yeah, Mandel, uh, he came in with a 73.6 in coverage, which is really, really good um, just because it's one of those things where it's, it's really hard to cover players. And I think we finished the game with um, do, do, do one, two. Uh, I don't remember how many pass we had like the interception. And then I don't know how many, it was like what three or four pass breakups as well. Uh, uh, yeah, so there were, had... there were a few. I mean, Wilgar had a couple at the line of scrimmage. Heron had a big one on a third or fourth down. Mandel had a big one. I think J-Rob had one as well. There was a bunch. Um, it, it, the coverage was great. I mean, there, you can't say enough good things about the coverage. And like I say, that was a tough test. Uh, it's going to be a tougher test, I think, against Arizona State. They're, they're really good. But that was a tough test. And uh, they, they passed with flying colors. They, yep. they so, were excellent. Yeah, so we finished with 14 total pressures on Brewer, three sacks, hit him three more times, hurt eight hurries, uh, two batted balls, and then the interception and two additional pass breakups. Huge, um, huge game, huge game by the defense, and really the just the ending of the game. And I was talking, so actually, uh, we had some people over to my house to watch watch the game, and uh, with everyone that was over, it was split fifty fifty between the two schools, and um, we were enjoying the game and like talking, and it was kind of the comment of you know, one of the guy in my ward, like, as you're watching the game is he's like, and kind of, you know, talking about is that that final drive, right. When we, Jaron Hall has scores that touchdown comes find out he stepped out of bounds. We come back and he, um, you know, and then we continue to chew night, four and a half minutes off the clock and took a field goal and which good job, like old droid nailed it. Cause I was worried about that extra point coming back to haunt us. Um, you know, go up two scores and then you're just playing the clock game, which is very similar to what happened right last week. You know, the defense just said, you know, once you're in that position, it's like, dude, Charlie Brewer is not going to get you three score, two scores in three minutes, right? Like it's, you're not the odds of losing that game as soon as that field goal got made. But that was a lot of times people complain about going conservative in like the fourth quarter and losing games. And I kind of hate that. Because to me, and a lot of this is just because I played offensive line in high school, I love when teams did Like, I absolutely love what we did on that last drive and how it was like everyone knew what we were going to do. Like, every, there was no doubt what was going to happen, right, and that we were going to come out and we were going to run the ball. And we were hoping to get four yards a carry and two clock, march our way down the field, go up two scores, and leave them with not enough time to do anything. And that's exactly what we did. And that was for the first time in forever, like even honestly as long as I can remember. Because even the the three times we beat Utah under Mendenhall, it still was a slugfest, and their defensive line was getting the best of us. And that was the first time I can ever remember in my entire life just straight up owning them in the trenches. And... um. And I love that we just lined up and it was like, we knew exactly it's okay. You knew that they were going to run behind the left side of the line with uh, Freeland, Barrington, and Empey. 
and they just hand the ball to Tyler Algier. He puts his head down. He runs over a linebacker. He's patient, finds a hole when there wasn't one, and just chewed clock and just imposed their will on the other team. And that is something that it really is an attitude thing, right? And it's you can just tell. And I think uh, Alex Hawes or Alex Caressa, um, sorry, Alex Caressa, he uh, kind of mentioned it that he was like the <clears throat> that he felt that the Nakua brothers kind of brought more of an attitude. And there definitely was an attitude difference on the field last night. And it's after last year coming in, just like the culture of this team, it's all right. They expect to win and there's a bit of nastiness about them and an attitude. And you could feel it on that drive of, we know we're the better team. Like you're not pushing us around the street shit. That's over. Like that's, we're done with that. And we're here now. And I was just, it was so satisfying to watch to me. I just don't know why Puka and Samson too. I don't know why they can't keep their helmets on. Do you remember when Puka was in that uh, Polynesian Bowl with Jacob Conover, like 2018, whenever he was coming out of high school? Same thing. He he caught that. He he had an amazing touchdown catch. The first thing he did was take his helmet off. It's just kind of weird to me. <laughs> need to maybe they need to just get like a. I don't know. They need to have some type of key. Like they got to go find a trainer to be able to loosen their chin straps. <laughs> it's, so like it it's like, like a chastity helmet or something. I don't know. They need something. <laughs> yes, a chastity uh, chin strap. <laughs> no, I agree though. Like the, the swag that they bring, man, even the kicker, like Jake Oldroyd hit that opening field goal in the first quarter and started to talk shit. Like that is what BYU needs, man. They haven't had that kind of swagger in forever. It's the, it's the swagger that like, it's what, caused Max Hall to run off the field against Oklahoma and yell, we're going to win, we're going to win, right? Like, BYU hasn't had that kind of confidence in a really, really long time. I mean, even with guys like Jamal and Taysom, they were confident, but they didn't have the kind of confidence that just spread throughout the entire team. And I wrote about this this morning. Zach Wilson, like he didn't get to beat Utah, right? Like he he lost twice, didn't get to play him in 2020. Uh, BYU would have boat raced Utah last year, but he didn't get to play. But his influence, especially what he did for the team last year, was evident all over the field throughout the game yesterday. Like Zach Wilson, that attitude that he had of any team, any time, anywhere, whatever he said. That was embodied in everything that this team did yesterday. Like, you could see it. You could feel it. They play with swag, and they play with confidence. And not Taysom, not, you know, Jake Heaps, not Tanner Mangum, not any of the other quarterbacks that BYU has had over the last decade and over the course of this streak have been able to do that. And Zach brought that to the offense last year, and they saw the results. And Jaron has just picked up right where Zach left off, and he has that same kind of swagger. And it's super encouraging for the future because Jacob Conover got to learn for both of them, right? So he's going to get to take that at some point and, and carry that same kind of mantle. It's huge. And, and so Zach Wilson didn't win the game. Zach Wilson wasn't there, and Utah fans could still say he never beat Utah. But without what Zach did last year, I don't think that BYU has the team and the identity that they have this year. I just don't. And so that is huge. And the, the Nakua brothers, they just kind of fit right into it. Jake Oldroyd hitting like a, whatever it was, like a 40-yard field goal in the first quarter and then like raising his hands and talking shit to Utah players after he hits that field goal, that doesn't happen. That's a kicker. That doesn't happen, especially against Utah pre-Zach Wilson. It just doesn't. 
Taysom Hill, whatever. And, and, and maybe I'm looking too much into it. Maybe I am, am reading too much into what Zach did. But in my mind, this team embodies the Zach Wilson attitude still. And it now we'll call it the Jaron Hill attitude because or Jaron Hall attitude because he he's got it and it's natural for him. But man, I, I, I 2020 could not have been better for BYU. I, I really believe that that the confidence that they gained last year is what rolled over to this year. Amen. And one last thing, um, and then we do have uh, Danny Holmgren is sitting in the request to speak. So if you want to hop in the queue uh, after our next little thing, we'll cut over to that. The I, this feels just like a bigger moment than a game. Like just to cap off, like what an incredible week, right? Like it's the game in Vegas in the new stadium coming in. You could feel the energy because the, you know, the big 12 rumors really blew up the night before that game. And when it was like, okay, this is a coordinated media release. This is happening. Like it's a basically, this is a done deal. And then that happening the game in Vegas with the crowd just completely dominating, you know, and just especially I remember in there in like the third or fourth quarter, you know, the U of A fans started cheering and then the BYU fans just shut them up like 30 seconds later. Right. And then going just the whole pent up throughout the week and then getting the invite on Friday and then capping it off just the entire week feels like a moment like that could be a turning point. Right. And obviously you have to capitalize on it and it could be a turning point where, Right, like it's going to be a thousand over a thousand days before we play Utah again. There's a good chance. I mean, I don't know what his feelings are right now about where he's at in his career, but that may have been the last time that Kyle Whittingham ever coaches against BYU. Dude, and, Kyle, Kyle Whittingham, he looks rough. My wife watched the game and she's seen Wit, and we've talked about Wit, my wife and I over the you know the course of our marriage and he's always been a good looking guy like Whittingham for 60 whatever years old he's a good looking guy and maybe it's his long flowy hair maybe it's just he's getting haggard he's seen a lot of stuff and he's tired of it but when the camera would flash over to Whittingham yesterday my wife said wow he kind of just looks like a creepy old man now and that tells me something I don't know what exactly that says but Wit visibly looks different and so I think it's time for the old man to hang it up. And I don't know the details of when this next contract runs, but just the, yeah, ending back with the, like the big 12 invite, you know, it's like the next time we play them, we're going to be in the big 12. Like there's, you know, you mentioned that, you know, guys like Walker Lyons who were there, you know, last night and a bunch of recruits that like that went from, I don't know, like I wasn't really considering BYU to like now it's being a really big option. And Kalani in his interview on Friday kind of mentioned, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Samson or Puka, where they said, you know, guys that transfer here after they figure things out may, will probably start to get them as freshmen, you know, and things like those, those kind of references, it feels like this is something to build. And I mean, like you see Kalani and the excitement he has on the sideline and you see how like much kind of swag the whole team has, like it's who doesn't want to be in there. And now that the, oh, well, you guys are trying to hack it as a P5, but you're not P5, you know, that label being gone and it's really like we are going even while byu is independent the all of the media coverage in the state revolved around byu because it's like we have the bigger fan base we have more support we are the we are the team in the west with probably outside uh well i mean there's people who watch oregon usc but even then they're still more regionalized like we have the most national fan base of any team west of texas and 
it's we get the coverage and now being part of the club and like what this is building towards in Kaplan this it really feels like this can be a huge turning point not just in the rivalry but really just you know for the program like this is is this going to be a blip or is this going to be a launch point and i really hope it's the latter and but it felt like last night was more than it was much more than just ending the streak like it was very symbolic of ending kind of the wandering in the wilderness of waiting, you know, to be included in the club, right? Like we got left out of the Big 12 in 96. The Pac-12 didn't end up having their, the Pac-10 didn't end up having their vote to expand in the 90s. And then we got left out in 2011. We got left out in 2016. And now it's like, hey, we're here and we don't care that it was late. We're here and we're ready to play and we don't care who you are. We're going to beat you. And it just having that attitude, it feels like we're ready to jump on this. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've got uh, it's interesting and just real quick before we 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 open this thing up. Uh, you mentioned, you know, kind of what the recruiting is like, what the benefits are going to be. I I talked to Blair Angulo for a minute today, and, and I'm going to have a piece out with with some of our national writers over twenty four seven, just kind of what their thoughts are on uh, BYU and the Big Twelve and what that means for recruiting. But Blair's comments were really interesting because he covers the West as much as anybody, the Intermountain West, BYU's recruiting region in Hawaii, uh, and then Arizona, Idaho, you know, Nevada, Utah. He, he covers that more than anybody else. And in his comments to me, they were pretty short and pretty simple, um, but it was huge. And he said the move to a Power 5 conference should be, significant, should be a significant boost for BYU, particularly because it eliminates the negative recruiting tactic that the staff has had to combat. The Cougars will be able to battle for P5 caliber talent on a more level playing field and also expand their recruiting ground, blah, blah, blah. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But that eliminating the negative recruiting tactic. BYU doesn't have to say anything about P5 anymore. Nothing. They don't have to talk about it. They don't have to talk about the Big 12. They don't have to talk about anything related to P5 anything. And this is a huge recruiting win because it just shuts everybody else up. Yep. They and I really, yeah, it's you know, before where it was trying to sell, like, oh, yes, we're not, we're independent, but we're playing like you're going to be playing seven, you know, seven people like P5 and, teams, and like it, it, it's where we're do we have the same level of facilities, like our fan support is it's just you don't have to worry about anything, like you don't have to waste time talking about it yourself, and the kids are not going to hear it from other coaches either. Yeah, it's not. a big deal, like it. It's a big deal, and and really the the last thing, and this is kind of just a, a subtle shot at Rivals. I know that BYU doesn't have a presence over at Rivals because the most recent article published on CougarNation.com, part of the Rivals network, was written by me three years ago, so I know nobody pays attention to Rivals. Uh, but BYU will get a recruiting boost in the rankings at Rivals with this whole P5 inclusion thing because their algorithm will stop making BYU's recruits all default two-stars and say, hey, they got a P5 offer, so now they're like a mid-three-star. So good for us. Good for rivals. BYU can finally get some respect. <laughs> that I hate. What You tell me that there was someone who had an offer from SUU and you accidentally fat-fingered it as USC and it made him a yeah. four-star, and then yeah. you changed it back to SUU and deleted the USC offer and it never updated? Yeah, it happened like a high three-star. It wasn't, I mean, it took, months for them to figure it out i mean there was also those kids that just completely fooled rivals into thinking that a player actually existed 
Well, let me tell you how well that their site is ran. Last year, they had a couple. There were a couple of BYU recruits that had not been even added to the Rivals database. And me, who has not worked at Rivals for three years, still has the logins that I've once had. And so I just went ahead and created them. I submitted their ratings request. I did all the stuff as if I recruited, or as if I was a Rivals employee. I mean, I still have full access to everything. Like That's how disoriented everything is over at Rivals. They just don't care. Um, this Before we open it up to uh, just one interesting thing to point out as we were talking about like the attitude, uh, Greg Rubel uh, pointed out that in BYU's 4-2 and two in its last six games against a ranked opponent and is 4-1 and one in its last five against P5 uh, foes. And since the Boise State game in 2019... Uh, which is that's the game where Aaron Roderick took over and the offense shifted to Grimes deciding if it was run or pass, and then if it was a pass play, Aaron Roderick would call it, and if it was a run play, Grimes would call it. That's when they shifted to that more collaborative effort you know, going into Baylor-Romney's start against Boise after the UCF game. And since that game, BYU is 18-3. and three. So huge pro Like this staff has really turned the corner and it seems like Kalani has it all figured out in terms of dealing with the just the difference of being a head coach versus a coordinator, getting his guys, and like the amount of depth that is in the program now is light years ahead of what it ever was under Bronco Mendenhall, despite what the recruiting rankings say. Like there's more athletic ability than has been in here since you know the 80s or 90s, and it the program is in a really really good spot. Um, so let's let's cut over now, and uh, Danny, we will get you in here as our first one. And I just want to say, Danny, I've known Danny for a long time, and he got to take his two boys to the game last night and rush the field with them, and I am so, so, so happy for him that he got to be there and enjoy that game with them. Yeah, that was, uh, that was awesome. Um... Two, two thoughts that I had. Thanks for letting me uh, hang out with my hand up for the last uh, 34 minutes. Um, what I was ex- Two things I want to just say was that Lavelle Edwards Stadium last night was absolutely epic. I've been to games there my whole life, and I've traveled with BYU across the country going to different games, and I don't remember ever being at a BYU game that was quite as just epic as that game was last night. Um, my my throat's all scratchy because I've been screaming until one o'clock in the morning and uh, life's crazy. But um, more than anything, it was just the, the I feel like BYU's just turned the corner. Like the, the experience of what we're putting on as a game was just unbelievable. The stadium, the new scoreboards are absolutely amazing. The fact that they got those suckers actually working yesterday uh, in time for the game was was incredible. Because uh, earlier in the week, there was not a chance on God's green earth that those uh, video scoreboards were going to work. So, But uh, yeah, it, before kickoff even happened, the stadium was completely full. And I can't remember ever being to a time when we didn't show up on BYU Standard Time and people are scrolling in and first quarter trying to find their seats. Like It was full. It was loud. And, and, and I think that totally attributed to, uh, to success. The, the other thought as I was looking around at that, at, at just the crowd and the facilities is going, this experience 100% fits into a Big 12. And having been to stadiums in half the Big 12, almost half the Big 12 at least, uh, I've never been to uh, any experience that uh, outpaces what was happening at LaBelle Edwards last night. So 
I hope that uh, people that perhaps don't typically come out to games or haven't been student or haven't been season ticket holders in the past or haven't been members of the Cougar Club, like reach out and join, guys. Like, yeah, it's it's a different experience watching in person versus at home. I, I'm having to to text Garrett throughout half the game to say, dude, what did I just miss there? Because you don't get the replays and you don't get the commentary that kind of helps to make sense. But being able to experience the game, you guys got to get out and just be able to be a part of it because what's going on right now is, as we go into the Big 12 is, is awesome. Uh, the second thing I just want to say was uh, uh, I, I commented last week that uh, putting Garrett and Jeff on the spot if I thought that uh, we were going to be able to, to finally win since my oldest son, Maverick, will become a deacon in the Aaronic Priesthood in, uh, in okay. January it's, and it's was not Geronic. born the last time we beat uh, it's that the we beat the and not only will that be accomplished, but uh, with a, a couple of year gap before we play again, there's a very good uh, possibility he could end up being a teacher before the youths ever beat BYU again. So, props to uh, to Garrett and Jeff being bold to be able to take the win, and uh, to the Cougs for going out and making it happen. Yeah, any any time you want to hang out with your hand up, you're welcome here, man. Sweet yes. guys. <laughs> the uh, and I'm used awesome. to paying people to let me give my opinion, so I appreciate it. That's that's why we welcome you here. Um, and that is also, and especially, you know, being uh, pointing out that he's going to be a teacher. I don't know if everyone saw uh, there was uh, some tweet. It was, it was like, we should rename it the Geronic Priesthood and name all rename all cultural halls, Jaron Halls. And just you mentioning that reminded me of that. And it was, I thought that was very funny. Um, but I, yes, the stadium was definitely rocking last night. You could see it. The camera was shaking on the tv a ton of and i can't remember right the last time that they were you know just kind of constantly shaking um and you know multiple times throughout the game you have like a big moment here or there but it was you know kind of like almost like every third down it seemed like the cameras were getting a little shaky and that was awesome um so let's see we got derek here um and so we do have Stu, I see you there in the chat and so are requesting to speak. We do kind of the way it works. We go through all of our VIP, um, kind of the paying subscribers first and they get to share their, their piece. And if we have some time at the end, we can kind of open it up to everybody else. And so let's get, let's get Derek on here. Derek actually, so I said sports betting was legalized in Arizona this week. And so Derek actually Venmoed me money to bet against Utah or to bet for Utah against BYU. And so that is his contribution of what is he willing to pay to guarantee a win? And so he, I'd like to thank him for uh, making a financial contribution to the Cougars victory yesterday. Oh man. Uh, best hundred dollars I've ever spent, even though my wife's kind of mad at me, um, <laughs> but it was, it was so worth it. Um, so I know I've been championing championing this uh, phrase kind of uh, last night and today, but I, I just got to say it again. I'm so happy. I just want to cuss uh, just going <laughs> off of what Lopez said after the game. That was so awesome. Um, that guy, I, I mean, so many of the interviews last night were so cool and, and so fun. Um, what a relief. Um, Jeff, uh, I too um, got a Jaron chain that I've been rocking um, for the first yes. two games. <laughs> I know. And, and it is awesome. Uh, I, I shaved a mustache as well. We're all just feeling that Jaron Hall swag. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's so cool. Um, 
So did you guys see that video of uh, Kalani pregame going and jumping with the fans? Did yeah. you guys see that? Yes, yeah, that, and, was, that, was, that was when I knew we were going to win. When someone I, said I saw that before, I was like, <laughs> it's, it's done. <laughs> I had that same thought. Kalani, dude, that guy. And so there was that. And then he went and caught that ball, um, you know, that, that Brewer threw away early in the first quarter. And, man, Kalani, he, he is incredible. I love that man. Um, everything about him is so amazing. Um, all right. Our game. Um, so the D, our, our DBs, like you guys mentioned earlier, I think you change um, everything about this defense. Um, Tuyaki had a masterful game plan last night, and it was, it was so fun to watch him bring pressure, um, covering guys. Um, Robinson got abused a couple of times uh, against uh, Brent Keithy, but, you know, Keithy, he might be an NFL talent, so, you know, that, that's going to happen. Um, you're going to get beat sometimes, um, so I'll, I'll live with it. Um, okay. I wrote down a couple of notes I wanted to, to say. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm so I'm coming prepared. <laughs> I know. Um, I, I, I'm so happy for the, the local media um, to hop off of Charlie Brewer's nuts. Um, they were talking about him like he was, like, I don't even know, just like the, the, the best quarterback in the state, it seemed like. You know, hands, bless his heart. He, he really has to play both sides, but he was – loving him some Charlie Brewer last week. And, and I'm just happy that yeah. we kind of shut that narrative down. You know, I, I think on the Brewer stuff, it really is interesting. Brewer is good. And I think he's going to be very good in this Andy Ludwig offense throughout the season. I think he's going to get better and, and blah, blah, blah. But I, when I watched what Utah did yesterday, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't crazy exotic, but it was what they do well. They tried to execute what they do every week that wins them games. BYU just blew it up. Naisamahe was huge. Lopa was everywhere in the backfield. You know, Zoe poking out a fumble. BYU took everything away from them. So I don't know what Charlie Brewer ultimately becomes. I, I, I do think he's good. And I do think that a lot of the praise that was given to him is very warranted. Uh, BYU did not dominate that Utah offense because Charlie Brewer sucked. BYU dominated that Utah offense because BYU's defense absolutely dismantled the Utah game plan. And I think that's an important distinction. I'm glad that the Brewer hype is going to die down as well. But absolutely, he's a good player. But BYU was just flat out better last night in every aspect of the game. And and I think it's important that that doesn't get lost as as you look at what happened uh, last night. Uh, that's a good clarification, Jeff. I appreciate that. Um, that just goes to illustrate even more. Uh, yeah. How, how awesome the D was. Um, so, um, last thought it, it was, uh, I'm just so happy. Um, I saw a friend of mine at church, you know, today, today, and, um, you know, for the past 12 years, every Sunday after the game, I come up, Hey, how's it going, man? Yeah, that sucked. We just ran over to each other and gave each other a huge hug, and it was so fun. Um, and uh, it was so fun watching the game, hanging out with the Give 'em Hell Brigham crew last night. Um, so the game start was really fun, and yeah, 
Yeah, where were nice. you, Garrett, all game long? Yeah, where were you, Garrett? Oh, sorry, was I was... <laughs> see, I, when Kal- I saw the video of Kalani getting hyped with the students, and I was like, oh, we're going to win. And then I forgot to breathe and almost passed out multiple times over the course of the next four hours. <laughs> and even, like, I was not breathing. I was like, oh, no, what if there's, like, he fumbles the snap before he takes the knee? It, you know, I, like, I did not relax until I finished watching the replay at 3 a.m. So that's where I was. I was... <laughs> I've never been so stressed on a 20-yard field goal as the one last oh, night. Um, anyway, go Cougs. Awesome. Thanks for hopping on. And uh, now we got I got Corley Ward on the stage. Corley is a member of the CSI staff. He's also on the coaching staff at uh, Tooele High School. And so, Corley, what did you kind of kind of going off of what Jeff said of, you know, the defense just dismantling the offense, kind of what did you see – last night and this is exactly what you predicted right because you watched both games um multiple times going into this and you said exactly what was going to happen and you were right and you did i think i don't know if you already patted yourself on the back for that but we (laughs) want to publicly acknowledge that but what did you kind of what did you see happen last night yeah i just wanted to make sure i got all the credit that i deserve by shouting myself out uh oh also i'm not at twila anymore but oh you're not where are you no. coaching at now for Roy? Oh, Roy. That's a, that's yeah. a good ways away. Coaching is a, being a coach right now is like a nice way to put it, but I can't do as much as I used to with, I got promoted, which is a great thing, but doesn't allow me to coach as much as I had been. So anyways, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just didn't believe in the hype of, Utah's offensive line and their D line. I just, I just didn't see that. Like, I don't know. Being a BYU fan, all the hype and no substance. That's kind of how I felt on the opposite side this time. So I was like, I don't know. I feel like we had a little bit of an edge, but I was thinking maybe I was also drinking some of that blue Kool Aid. But I, I thought that. They lived up to it. BYU lived up to it on both sides of the ball. So, I don't know. It was great to see a big change there because it really was dominating for most of the game. But are are, are you allowed to have blue Kool Aid in your house with uh with 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 your Utah like a Utah employee <laughs> wife, Utah fan wife? I mean, are you allowed to yeah. have blue Kool Aid at all? Yeah, she works for. Utah Housing, and I got myself in trouble after the game because she was sad and. I told her I don't feel bad. <laughs> uh, Good for so you. I'm in trouble right now, but oh well, <laughs> worth it. Um, yeah, she works for U of U, so that's kind of weird. But yeah, I I don't know. I just pretty awesome to see a huge change in the in the trenches because that's usually where it's always an edge for Utah. So yeah, I mean, Coach Coach Funk, right? Like he he came in, uh, and he had to replace Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos, and they were not only were they really good at their job, they're fan favorites. But uh, when when Coach Funk came in, he he immediately met some headwinds that I don't think we realized were as tough as they were going to be. Uh, Keanu Saliapaga, I mean, the writing was on the wall, but not for Coach Funk on day one. He didn't know. Saliapaga wasn't going to play. He's not on the roster. The grades were never there. Uh, Brady Christensen's gone. Uh, Tr- you know, Tristan Hodge is gone. Shannon Herring is gone. And suddenly, 
uh, Coach Funk is taking this new job with this great offensive line that has all this potential, but he's kind of got to rebuild everything on the fly. And then you couple that effort with some of the unnecessary and really unfounded criticism that was doled out to his way on the recruiting trail. I mean, things like Joe Brown going to Virginia. BYU didn't want Joe Brown. They never recruited Joe Brown. They extended an offer because they felt like they had to. But but anyway, Joe Brown goes to Virginia, and and fans started to hate on on Coach Funk right away. And it was it was kind of unfair. But what we're seeing is really kind of the reincarnation of those Brady Hoke offensive lines back at San Diego State when when Coach Funk was with him there. Just big dudes that just maul. And it's a little bit different, I think. I mean, it's the same players, and so we've got to see more than two games before I can say anything definitively here. But to me, the, the offensive line, while the scheme is the same, the offensive linemen look stronger. And it looks like there is more a little bit less athleticism and a little bit more just physical overpowering at the line of scrimmage. And I'm sure that there are going to be games that maybe you wish you had one or the other, but against Utah, athleticism at the offensive line isn't what's going to win. Like you've got to just be stronger than their defensive line. And last night BYU was, and I'm anxious to see how that continues to develop uh, for coach Funk over the course of the, the next several weeks and months. I'm a big believer in in in, in D Funky. I think he's great, and I think that the the bright days are there are there are bright days ahead for him. And hopefully, fans are are seeing the the fruits of what he's done now. I mean, he he can play. He could coach. Yeah, I was also yeah, I was very impressed with the offensive line, and you know, it's just one of those things where Daryl Funk is kind of similar to Kevin Clune, right? Like it's he's never been. The I mean, well, I guess he was at Michigan, right? But he's never been the hot name the way that, you know, even when Jeff Grimes was just a position coach, it was, you know, he was super respected to the point where fans knew his name. But the he's also he's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. He in so much of it of getting a staff in place is getting a fit between who are the play calling style and your players and you as an assistant coach and kind of, and the campus environment, like there's so many moving pieces have to go in, but it's, I really do love what Kevin Clune has brought to the defense and what Daryl Funk has brought to the offense. Um, we got, if you want to hop in, uh, we got one person in the queue. Um, assuming your name is Richard, uh, his username, Lime Richard. So we'll get Richard in and then let him say his piece and then we will wrap it up if there's no one in the queue at that point. Lime yeah. Richard is a great name. It, like, I saw this in the in the chat yesterday and I was going to say something, but I forgot. I don't know why it took me so long to, to clue in to you know, Lime Richard, Lime Ricky, but well done. Well done on the username. Hey, thanks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks, Jeff. I do go by Ricky. Um, so, Garrett, you and I crossed over briefly at first year experience. Oh, I do. Okay. Now that now I know you were the only Ricky that was there. So, yeah. Yep. So you don't. Ha- you just have an avatar. You don't have your picture. Yeah, so. I, I use Discord for some other things, so I gotta I gotta work out a better picture. I think. Um, but I just wanted to paint a picture. So I'm a uh, deployed right now with the army. I'm a dentist and. Uh, so I was watching this game by myself in our first aid station, sitting in my dental chair, because that's where we have Wi-Fi. And uh, my wife fell asleep at halftime, so I couldn't text her anymore. And I just had the best time on the 
the game thread reading with you guys is a lot of fun. Where um, did you where are you deployed at right now? Uh, oh, it's, it's just in Wisconsin. It's not that oh. exciting. Oh, just one of those yeah. temporary. You guys do the travel things where you're out for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're with the uh, refugee processing. So mm. anyway, we're stuck here in the boonies for a little bit. But um, yeah, so I grabbed the Wi-Fi. Wife fell asleep. Was I was cheering quietly to myself, but I enjoyed the game thread quite a bit. Um, just feeling like I at least had somebody watching with me so uh props to you guys for setting this up um uh, as far as the game goes just like has been said love the line play i thought that was a big shift and definitely a needed one over the past few years and uh <laughs> the other great thing from the broadcast i love the announcers kept saying like oh well byu their, their fans are probably feeling pretty good about this right about now and just laughing every time because uh, i'm with you garrett i didn't feel good a single second of the game until it was over so uh 10 years of anxiety and built-up stress just finally letting go and uh it's weird because i wasn't yelling or anything but i still got super hoarse probably just from the stress of it all so <laughs> great game go kooks awesome thanks for hopping on ricky um so yeah that was our show thanks to everyone who oh we may have uh one more okay we'll uh We've got one more here, and so let me let's get Stu on, and uh, let's see. And then after Stu, we will wrap up. So Stu, thanks for joining us on our post game fireside. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate you taking a quick moment here. New, kind of new to the community, new to the podcast, but I'm eating it all up. Want to subscribe? Um, uh, you know, super excited and just mainly, I wanted to ask a question, but just a few thoughts. Uh, you know, after rewatching the game and kind of soaking it all in early this morning, I guess, late last night. There's just such a, there's just such a special vibe around the program right now. Like, in fact, right before I tuned into this post-game fireside, I watched about an eight-minute video that the BYU Twitter, like the football Twitter account put out there. I think you should stop what you're doing and go watch it right now. It is so awesome. They, you know, you get kind of an inside look at the locker room. You can see Kalani before the game, after the game. You can see Jaron Hall there presenting the ball to Kalani. Man, it's just like there's just something special about this program right now. I'm so hyped up for this team. And uh, also watched the, the Uriah Le- Leotawa post-game interview on BYU TV last night, which is awesome. That dude was hyped up. He represents kind of just how I feel like the team was approaching that game and what they were feeling like you know, on the field, on the field afterwards. It's just, it's an exciting time, man. Um, I'm super excited. But my question is kind of, you know, like most fans, we're probably, you know, we probably were not projecting this as a win. If we're being honest with ourselves a couple weeks ago. How does this change, like, your your projections for the rest of the, for the season? I mean, we're 2-0, 2-0 in the Pac-12 South. We're going for 3-0 this next weekend. I'm not looking past ASU. I think they're going to be a super tough test. But just for the sake of kind of looking forward, like, what if BYU does take care of business there? I mean, how does that change your progress? Like, like, those were two of our, maybe our three toughest tests on the schedule, right? I mean, it, it's right. huge result. I mean, how does yeah. this look for you guys? You know, I, for me, I, I had BYU pegged at, at, at probably 9-3, and 8-4, and 9-3, and uh, even before this win. I mean, I, I, I've been pretty high on this team. And so really my projections don't change much. We just kind of get a surprise along the way. You're right. I didn't expect BYU to beat Utah, but they did. That's great. 
Uh, so now maybe it's it's a, a little bit more of a sure thing of, of nine and three, and maybe BYU can get up to ten. Arizona State's going to be tough. Uh, they are very different philosophically, at least defensively, than what Utah is. They they actually kind of sit in a lot more coverage. They they look a little bit more like a Tuiaki normal defense. And so I'm anxious to see how Jaron Hall attacks that. His, you know, based on the early film that I've seen, I don't think his legs are going to be as much of a threat this week. I think he's going to have to win this game with his arm. So really curious to see how this goes. It's going to be a, a different test, but a huge test for, for BYU. Uh, the linebackers are going to have to be huge this week, keeping Jaden Daniels in check. Uh, Keenan Peely was phenomenal. He, he was great against Arizona. He was great against Utah in a completely different way. Against Arizona, he's just racking up tackles and trying to keep guys ahead of the chains. And against uh, Utah, he, he's constantly in the backfield. I mean, he's shown off his versatility. Peyton Wilgar is is legitimate. I mean, he, he's an NFL guy as well. Uh, those two are going to be tested in a big, big way against Arizona State. Uh, I think this could be the biggest test. You know, honestly, I think Arizona State's probably a little bit better than USC. And by the time BYU plays USC in November, Clay Hilton hopefully is gone and, and they're, you know, a mess. So I think this is probably the biggest test of the year from a talent standpoint. I still get weary about that Baylor game and that Washington State game just because that's, you know, that's six or seven weeks of playing football. And, and then having to play your first road game, I think that, that schedule is kind of a trap game for BYU a little bit there. But this is going to be the biggest test from a talent standpoint. And uh, it's going to be tough. If BYU passes this, then I think you're, you're looking at a double-digit win season. I think BYU is that good. I think so as well. And it, I definitely think it will because I think USC will probably be a mess. I mean, you mentioned Baylor. They played an FCS game yesterday. They play, almost lost to Texas State that, you know, they're in week one um they play kansas so i guess that's another fcs game um but even then so they kind of go through that first month and it's not till you know they've got to play iowa state oklahoma state and west virginia um before they go before we roll into town and so it it's yeah that baylor game and then washington state obviously washington state lost to utah state and utah state they will be hyped for that rivalry game and especially with all you know they're going to want to come out for blood because we got our golden ticket finally that we've deserved for so long and so there are a couple spots that could be potential trap games right but if you have the leadership like we have the talent to compete and win every game on the schedule whether i mean obviously whether we actually do it is very hard to do that's why there's usually only one to two most a lot of times zero teams a year that go undefeated so awesome thanks um thanks everybody for joining us uh we will be back with our normal show on wednesday we'll record on wednesday evening i'm um, getting out wednesday night or thursday morning and everyone tell give your them friends, help man. So tell subscribe your... spread the word um you know we're, we're pre-rich it's a labor of love still spread the word subscribe to the newsletter and, and let's let's grow this platform together platform i think everyone's can tell the discord is really fun uh go to the website if you uh if you are listening to this on the recording go to the website come join the discord it's a lot of fun um some nil news i did talk to mason wake last night we're going to get a mason wake shirt going out and um we're also going to reach out to lopalea tawa and try to get him uh i just want to cuss i got to go to church in the morning shirt available for him as well and so jeff and to everyone listening give him hell give him hell <laughs>